Okay, now that I've got everybody depressed. If you think about winners, who comes to mind for you? What does a winner look like? Now, I like Peyton Manning well enough, but that isn't the kind of uh, winning that my spirit hungers for. As a musician, I could notice that Prince had seven Grammys, you know, and um, that from what I'm hearing, he was behind the scenes an incredible philanthropist. Um, He was part of a religious tradition that wouldn't let him let anybody know that. Um, But still, that's not what winning looks like to me. And I don't just mean because he's not here anymore. Personally, I think of people like Mother Teresa of Calcutta and Francis of Assisi, um, Mahatma Mohandas Gandhi, uh, Dr. Martin King, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi that brought transcendental meditation to the United or to the West. Um, Jesus of Nazareth. Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha. You know, the call to worship this morning said that uh, those who risk a lot lose a lot. And that they're the, also the only ones that win. And most of the music this morning has been from a perspective of Gosh, I don't know what's going on. From places other than places where there are comfortable answers. I want to spend a little time advocating for losing. As I often do, I'll point out that we come together here around the idea of the ideals of justice and truth and beauty and compassion uh, with love as the one thing that we claim as our fundamental instructor and belief. Yet, with our lives, we're always striving for more. More money, more time, more control over circumstances, politics, the plight of others, our families, our health, the environment, the future. Being more attractive, being more respected, being more comfortable, being more confident, more. More. Plug ever what plug in whatever you want to. Once upon a time, and for millennia, valuing the corporate well-being over the individual's well-being was the normative pattern. 
it's since like the Re Reformation and the Renaissance and those things that we have grown to so value the individual's journey at the expense often of the well-being of the whole. Our preference for winning, for being on top, being the best, having the most sway, our delight with competition, our striving with or against whatever angels or devils we encounter, climbing higher than those who we want to show, all of that has moved us incrementally farther and farther and farther away from our own core. Now, I'm not saying that that hasn't been part of the journey. Because all of the things that we've learned in this big arc into selfishness, and individual individual actualization manifesting our potential developing our cultures all of those things have the potential to contribute in substantial ways to the well-being of the whole but that's not what we do with them we might, uh, in token ways, give back to the whole, but we stand juxtaposed with that. We're always wrestling, where is justice, where is generosity, and how do I do that and take care of myself? Some of these things we have to work out together. Some of these things we have to work out in community. We fight against ourselves and our interests by chopping away at the metaphorical threads of connection with this web we're a part of. With this organic whole the impact on which is noticeable by our lives, the impact of our lives, and by putting ourselves first exacts a price for someone else. But let's be honest about it. None of us are going to want to change Whatever balance we've decided is the one we need to have, unless we have to. Unless there's enough discomfort or enough pain um, we don't want to be going places we don't know where we're going, like the first song. Even if we have trust that we're going to get there, we don't like not knowing what might be down the road. Or what, you know, letting something else drive us and not saying where we're going. 
man. Quoting Richard Rohr, only vulnerable people change. Only vulnerable people change others. Change is something we do alone, but the catalysts and the solutions may well lie in our interconnection. I bring all of this up because what I, what I keep running into in my studies lately, for, whether it's from Pema Chodron, the American Tibetan Buddhist nun, monk, um, is that the way to learn compassion is to be open to the pain. We go through the first parts of our lives experiencing every injury that comes our way and learning ways to defend ourselves against that and not have to experience that pain anymore. And in doing that, we shut ourselves off from the flow, from our own essence, from the world around us in layers. If we want to learn the depths of compassion, we have to be in that pain. Uh, the Franciscans are talking now about the possibility that the Christian scriptures were not saying care for the poor and take in the outsider or embrace the outsider because they needed our help. They're suggesting that that's because we need that experience. We need to be down there with them. Or we'll never understand. And we'll never have true compassion. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not thinking right this minute I'm going to go home and put my house for sale and give away everything that it, that it generates. But I can look at people like Jesus and like Sister Margaret, Sister Margaret McCaffrey, who used to be here in Shreveport, our local Mother Teresa, Gandhi, and Dr. King. They've all moved into what James Fowler in his uh, stages of faith development called stage six. Now, the bulk of the world, as best I can tell, is at stage three. That's the fat part of the bell curve, is at stage three. Generally, and I'm not trying to say we're better than anybody, but this is how in that particular system things fall out. Generally, when people move to Unitarian Universalism, they're at the beginning of stage four. that differentiation, that separation, that, that disbelief of what you've been told before, the, the, the things that are calling into question the stuff that, that held you so uh, comfortably in stage three. What the stage six people have done is move past all the questions, past the paradoxes that are, that are uh, part of stage five where... where um, 
it's both and, and you're having to wrangle with that tension. They've moved beyond that to a place where their well-being isn't even the issue anymore. Their well-being is set aside for standing in justice and living compassion. This is not something that often happens to people. And it's not something we need to be ashamed of not being. But if the people I call winners lead with that model, being aware of the distance that's between me and those people in pain and how much less able I am to serve them in some, in, to, to know their pain, understand what they need, from my arrogance, my assumptions, my position of privilege. If I could get here today, I have more options than a whole lot of folks in this city. If I will have a meal today that actually fills my stomach at some point. There are a lot of people here, believe it or not, in this city for whom that is not true. Now, what I'm trying to learn, and as I say every week, I have so far to go, is how to tear down some of those walls and acknowledge the pain that I've avoided. Now, I know everybody that's here very regularly has heard me talk about the challenges that I've faced um, and that I face regularly and that call me back into being humbled about how far I have to go. Now, Pima Ch following Pema Chodron's suggestions of Lo Jong and Long uh, 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 Glenn, I can't even think of the names of them. I just know the practices. Pong Glenn, thank you. Lo Jong and Pong Glenn. Um, I try to be open and breathe in the things that hurt and then breathe back out stuff that is positive in those places. And it usually lasts about half a day. And because I am not accustomed to feeling that much discomfort in the course of my day by the time the other half of the day comes along I'm ready to fight because I'm not comfortable with it I'm, ta I'm taking away my defense mechanisms and trying to sit in something that that was difficult my whole life But every time I do that, even if I get ready to fight at the end of the day, I'm learning more about myself. I'm learning more about the pain, and I'm getting to move it maybe minutes 
longer each time. And I'm also growing in understanding for what is generating that pain in the first place. What happens for a lot of folks in our tradition is they come here either hurt, broken, angry, uh, defiant. That's a feeling of power. And we can formulate our personalities and personas around that so that we stay there. And all of the incredible gifts that are lying in our own beings and waiting for us to be open to them, we cut off from ourselves. I uh, think of the awarenesses that, that kind of unfold as being like the way, if you look at old movies, even things that won Academy Awards, a whole lot of the acting is awful. But where humankind, Western culture was, when those were made, that was convincing. Those facades were things people didn't see through very easily. Now, our bull detectors have become a little more refined. With it, our arguments against things and our defenses. And my guess is if we look in another 40 or 50 years back at the movies that are being made now, they're going to be just as stark as acting, even though when we look at them now, they feel just like us. Uh, another analogy is one a uh, friend of mine gave me of a third grader. A third grader who's ahead of their class, who uh, has learned how to read, is writing script, you know, cursive, um, is doing math above their grade, is reading maybe at the fifth or sixth grade level, and this child walks around with a reader stuck under their arm and just swelled up, convincing, convinced that they know more than everybody else. Very proud of that fact. And don't realize that they're a third grader. Now we are adept. I think it's a human, it's a human inclination to extrapolate from what's real for us and assume that that reality is the same for everybody else. And I don't think that's true. But I'm not going to understand somebody else's unless I can stand in their pain. And that doesn't mean just think about it, you know. And so how far into that I'm willing to go I don't know. I don't know. How much I can learn in this lifetime, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm going to get there. And it's a lonely place. 
except when I let go of control. Not saying I give up to, to caring about others. Not saying I give up to trying to be a part of solutions. Not saying I give up on uh, trying to be in relationship with people I don't understand. But letting go of being the boss. It's not a very Unitarian idea sometimes. But the world won't get no better if we just let it be, like the prelude said. And like the postlude will say, there's a whole new world. There's more there. And the way that we get to it is by opening more. Whatever that takes.